Hey guys, this is Dr. Cassie of Vetfolio. When I was at VMX, I was lucky enough to be able to sit down with Dr. Bob Lester. Dr. Lester is a member of the NAVC Board of Directors. He started out as a mixed animal practitioner before joining the founding leadership team for Banfield Pet Hospitals. After a rewarding 20-year career at Banfield and Mars, Inc., he left as Vice President of Professional Relations and has spent the last four years on the founding team of the Lincoln Memorial University College of Veterinary Medicine, where he served as Assistant Dean. Dr. Lester and colleagues most recently founded Wellhaven Pet Health. In addition to these endeavors, Dr. Lester serves on a variety of professional, university, and college committees, boards, and task forces. And guys, this isn't even a comprehensive list of his accomplishments. Let me tell you, it's a long list. He's an impressive guy. We sat down at VMX to talk about Dr. Lester's article in today's veterinary business called The Future is Pet Gen. In this article, Dr. Lester identifies a new generation of pet owners called Pet Gen. PetGen encompasses both millennials and Generation Z to include anyone under about age 38. He discussed the different approaches to life and to pet ownership of this generation compared to baby boomers and how to meet the needs of a changing population of pet owners and veterinary professionals. So with that, let's jump into our discussion from VMX. So welcome, Dr. Lester, and thank you for joining us to talk about this important topic. Happy to be here. Thank you, Dr. Cassie. So first of all, can you kind of tell us in your own words a little bit more about what PetGen is and why it's important to recognize this new generation, not only of pet owners, but also of veterinary professionals? I would be happy to. And I think as we tee it up, it's, it's important as we talk about big, gross, oversimplified demographics, pet gens, boomers, Gen Zs, millennials. Um, they're never exact, but it's fun to put everyone in a group and, and kind of see what the similarities are. And it helps us really peel back the onion, get under the hood, see how different people are wired and how we can best interact together. So to your question, when you look at the last couple of decades in our profession, boomers have really dominated the boomer consumer as well as boomers in our workforce. Um, and those boomers have followed a pretty standard formula and the formula for, and I am a boomer, um, the, the boomer formula that we all followed as did I was we went to school, we got married, uh, we bought a house, we had a kid, we got a pet. Typically that was around 30 years old and over time as that bond between ourselves and our children and our pet grew and our discretionary income grew, we spent more and more and more and, and that largely drove the, the great success we've seen the last several decades in the pet space and the veterinary space. Fast forward to today, where boomers are no longer the, the dominant workforce or pet parent consumer, and we look at this, what I'm calling Gen Z, this, this mashup of, of millennials and Gen Zs, um, what I'm calling pet gen, they're not following the formula. So they may or may not be going to college, but if they do, they have tremendous student debt, may or may not be getting a home, are less likely to get married, less likely to have kids. Since they're not following the formula, the fear was, and fortunately the fear was unfounded, are they going to get pets? Are they going to follow the boomer formula that's driven our profession? Well, we fast forward today and good news, um, they may not be following the formula of going to school, getting a house, getting married, having kids, having a pet, getting a pet at 30. Instead, they're just cutting right to 20, 21 years old, where the boomer's first child was two-legged. The pet gen's first child is uh, four-legged, and they're not waiting till 30. They're getting them at 20 or 21, and the bond they have with their pet, while it was deep for boomers, is far deeper for pet gen. So that, that has really changing how we view the pet consumer, and I think we have to remember that our dominant workforce is also made up of that, that, of that generation, 
and that's how they view things as well. So for our profession to continue to thrive and grow, we need to recognize this shift in uh, both our workforce as well as pet consumers. That that makes a lot of sense, and I can definitely relate. Um, I'm part of Pet Gen myself, and I got my first dog when I was 19. <laughs> His name was Samson, and he was a Rottweiler. He and was your fur baby. He was my fur baby. He saw me through, you know, getting married and um, buying a house and going through vet school and and all kinds of things. I had him just up until just a few years ago. So I've everything you described. I said, yeah, I can definitely relate to all of that. <laughs> um, in your experience, what's the biggest difference between baby boomers and pet gen with respect to pet care and ownership? And then also, what about in terms of the veterinary team? Yeah, good question. So in terms of pet care, I, I think, again, it's, it's this deepening of the bond with pet gen they really view their pet as a child, this idea of the fur baby, that their first child happens to have four legs, where my generation, our first child had two before we graduated to a four-legged child. As such, they don't want their fur baby to get sick. So they're, they're more likely to embrace preventive care. Um, and they communicate differently. This is a digital generation. Um, they're not looking to pick up the phone. Um, we need to understand that as we, as we work with in the exam room, how we, how we communicate, how we interact with pet gen. In terms of, of the veterinary team, I see a pretty dramatic difference. Um, the boomer generation, I think sadly, we are what we do. We put work before life. Pet gen is far smarter. Um, they're idealistic, they multitask, they're digital natives, they're team players, and they understand that life comes before work. And that's a dramatic difference. It's not that they don't work hard. It's not that they're not passionate. They put life before work as they should. I think that's far healthier. And, and given today's workforce shortage, they can hold out for flexible schedules and four-day work weeks or part-time work or go in and out of the workforce. Um, they can demand that and get that and put their life ahead of their work. That it, it's so funny to, to hear you describe a lot of, a lot of pet gen and just kind of you know, here are some descriptions that I can relate to. Although I don't think anybody would call me a digital native, <laughs> kind of digitally inept, but I, I do my best. Um, I can definitely relate to the other differences that you're describing. And there was a certain example that really came to mind. It really hit home with me when I read your article. And it was where you described pet gen's preferred style of communication as consultative versus boomers, which was more of a directive style. And I've had that happen for me in the exam room where my style is consultative, just like you describe. I like to go in and say, here's what's going on. Here's what we should do. Here are all the options. Here's what the costs are and make a plan together with my client and the patient who are in the exam room with me. And I've had people get upset with me and look at me and say, well, you're the doctor. Shouldn't you know what to do? What do I do? And it's it's kind of surprised me at the time when it's happened. But when I read that, I went, that, it, just a light bulb came on. I went, that makes sense. It's just a different style of communication. Yeah, it really is. For boomers like myself, as we grew up taking care of pets of fellow boomers, I put on the white coat. At the time, I would wear the tie, the stethoscope, the name tag, walk in the exam room, build rapport, work the pet up, and then essentially be more directive that I'm the doctor. This is what I think you should do with your pet. Um, and odds are we would move ahead with that. Pet Gen looks at things differently. And again, I think they're more educated. They have 
all of the knowledge of the world right there in their pocket on their phone. They've studied, they've looked at things, they don't always get the right information, but they're sincere and really wanting to do the right thing. So when they come in the exam room, still the white coat, the name tag, the stethoscope, I've shed the tie. Um, but the approach is a little bit different that, it, uh, Pet Gen, Cassie, you're a, you're a great pet owner. Um, you recognize the value of your pet and your family. Your kids are growing up more empathetic, less allergies, your blood pressure is lower. You're, all of these great benefits for having a pet, which you recognize. And I want to partner with you and having your pet live the longest, healthiest, happiest life it can. How can we work together to get there? and congratulate you for having done your research. And frankly, I think it's a little bit harder with the pet gen. Um, it was a little bit easier with boomers to be more directive, but a directive approach isn't gonna work. They, they want to, to have a partnership. Um, and once I get them there and we build that rapport and have the trust, then we can do the best thing for their pet, build that bond, take care of that pet for years and years and years to come. And I, I just think it's so important how you point out the differences because you're right, with, with a lot of pet gen, you're not going to get anywhere with a directive style. But also contrary to that, if you have somebody who's really looking for you to direct and to say, this is yeah. what I think we should do, to understand that even if that's not my comfortable place, right. that's not that's not how I generally do things, that I can still make that adaptation for them as well and, and let it go both ways. So much comes down to communication, even beyond the generations, regardless of the generation. You and I as successful clinicians in the exam room there to partner with the pet owner we have to try to read that that particular pet parent. Do they want directive? Do they want consultative? What style do they need? And we need to match our delivery to the style that best works with them. You're absolutely right. That's the only way we're going to get anything done for, for the pets that are in the exam room. Uh, I thought it was interesting. You listed some statistics in your article, and I thought it was interesting that despite uh, the difference in relationships between pets for pet gen and boomers, a significantly higher percent percentage of pet gen parents didn't have a regular veterinarian. And so I would think as a pet parent mentality that they would have a relationship with a regular veterinarian. So do you have any thoughts on the difference there? Why they didn't have, why so many fewer of them had, did yeah, not have a regular vet? I was struck by that as well. And, and I'm speculating, but what I think is going on is with Gen Z's and Gen Z's are just now reaching their, their, their twenties, early twenties. Um, they're still at a, a very mobile part early part of their life journey, where they live, are they in school, are they in their first or second job. So they've not yet set up those long-term relationships with their veterinarian, with their dentist, with their CPA. Um, what was encouraging though, as you look through that and looked at um, relying on their veterinarian for advice, the boomer generation, about two out of three boomers will tell you they do rely on their veterinarian for advice. To your point, while the well, pet gen may not yet have a relationship with their veterinarian when asked if do, do, do they rely on their veterinarian for advice. Unlike the two out of three boomers, it's three out of four um, pet gen that are saying they rely on their veterinarian. So that deep respect and admiration that the public has, pet consumers have for our profession um, is clearly there. That is a good way of kind of just painting the whole picture there, that we were just dealing with a different demographic of people but with that pet parent mentality, they still are very heavily reliant on us. So in your article, you cite that 42% of pet gen parents answered 
that their pet had special health needs compared to only about 19% of boomers. And then similarly, 45% of pet gen parents answered their pet had special nutritional needs, and it was only 20% of boomers. So almost double the number of pet gen parents answered both of these questions in the affirmative compared to boomers. Right. What are these special health and nutritional needs? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, to the first part, I, I think this is just evidence of the deepening bond that PetGen has with their fur baby. They're more tuned in, they're doing more research, there is more information at their fingertips, um, so that they are better educated around specific breeds, specific needs, specific conditions um, than previous generations. To their nutritional needs, I, I find that really interesting. As a boomer, I go to the store and I get pet food, and there's dog food and there's cat foods, and there's pictures of dogs on the dog food and cats on the cat food. It's so easy. My kids, who are, are <laughs> members of pet gen, millennial and, and Gen Z, um, for them, it's not pet food, it's food for pets, it, it, which is a subtle, but I think dramatic difference. To them, it would be nothing to walk up to a, a deli counter in a special retail, in a specialty pet retail store and order a made meal for their pet, food for their pet. And again, that's more evidence of, while the boomers had a, a nice bond with, our, with their pets, um, and that's so much gone so far to drive our profession, the bond now is is even that much deeper. Our, our friend Dr. Marty Becker said for years that over our lifetime, pets have gone from the barnyard to the backyard to the back porch to the living room to the bedroom to the bed and now under the covers. <laughs> With Pet Gen, they're moving from under the covers out the front door. Pets are in the grocery store. They're at the restaurants. They're at the deli counter at their pet specialty store. So so the Pet Gens have really taken this whole bond this fur baby, four-legged child to a whole other level, which is fabulous. It's a great thing for the veterinary profession. It really is. And kind of going back to that consultative style, you're, you're right. They're out there and they're, they're looking for information. One of the things I've found in the exam room is a lot of times, um, speaking specifically about nutrition, for example, I'll have pet parents come in and they already have a large amount of information on nutrition and they really want to sit down and have a, a conversation about yeah. it. And so those special needs are just kind of perceived differently. It's interesting as veterinarians, we we run the risk of approaching the exam room with a, with a head mentality versus a heart mentality. We're trained scientists. We want to go in and talk about distemper hepatitis, leptospirosis, parainfluenza, Ascrids, on and on and on, which is great, but that's not what the clients really want to hear. They need that preventive care. We have to deliver that preventive care, but they want to sit down and talk about pet, their diet and exercise and the well-being of their pet, um, emotional well-being of their pet, physical well-being of their pet, and nutrition, to your point, is clearly an area that pet consumers across the board, but pet gen perhaps more, they really want information, and the veterinary professional is that trusted source, and we have to steer them in the right direction. You're, you're exactly right of really just sitting down and talking about the pet's whole lifestyle and, yes. and how to do the best things for them. In your article, you know that telehealth was one of the major appeals to the pet parent, who the pet gen parent, who made an appointment at your clinic, uh, and that, I think, is a little bit of a newer offering in veterinary clinics. Can you give some examples of how you've used telehealth and how it's benefited you in your own practice? Yes, happy to. So telehealth is, is an enormous topic. There's so many things that fall under the telehealth umbrella. Uh, and, and I'm a big believer that technology and support of the veterinary team and that uh, relationship with the pet 
and the pet parent. It's going to allow us so many more touches, both bricks and mortar, as well as virtual. It's going to break down barriers to care, open the door, both again, a virtual door as well as a, a real door to provide for more touches and ultimately happier clients, happier pets uh, all the way around. Today, I think our, our fundamental business model, and this is very true of, of uh, human healthcare as well, we're not really in the healthcare business, we're in the sick care business. It's all reactive. We've monetized healthcare around sick care when wouldn't it be nice if we had monetized it around well care and avoided uh, illness, which is what PetGen wants. They don't mm -hmm. want their fur baby to get sick. And to further confuse it or make it difficult for us, the typical veterinary interaction is about once a year for those half of pets that even come into the veterinary. And there's a huge number of pets that we won't see as a profession this year. So those that come in, it's typically once a year. They're there for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and it's generally for a presenting complaint, otitis or itchy or whatever it might be. So we address the presenting complaint in a relatively short amount of time. The client can only absorb so much. So perhaps it's otitis. I've described otitis. We've gone over a treatment plan. They understand that. Um, we've documented that. But while you're here, as a good veterinarian, I want to talk to you about preventive care. Let's talk about dental. Let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about behavior. Let's talk about immunizations. Let's talk about parasites. The, the big cores around preventive care that I need to share with you the client checked out 10 minutes ago. When I addressed the presenting complaint, they were gone. They can only absorb so much, and we've got this short window. We've got to find a way to touch clients more frequently. Once a year, 30 minutes, of which veterinarians are maybe in the exam room, 10, 15, 20 tops, is just not enough time. As we look at what we can do with technology to do multiple touches, again, both virtual and face-to-face, -face, and it doesn't have to be just veterinarians. It's our veterinary team, specifically our veterinary nurses, that we do not utilize as well as we should. There's so much more we can do. So when you take modalities like telehealth or, or modalities within that umbrella, fast forward five or 10 years, and, and veterinary pet gen veterinarians and veterinary nurses may work a full-time four-day work four-day work week of which two and a half or three of those might be in a physical bricks and mortar facility a day or day and a half maybe home might be at Starbucks might be at soccer practice um, in their bunny slippers wherever it might be and they're delivering virtual care um, I think that the well-being implications of that it's breaking down barriers to care for the clients it's better for the veterinarian we can touch more pets more often we can better educate them it's just a win-win-win, and, and PetGen is really looking for that. In all of their other healthcare, telehealth and telehealth offerings are becoming the norm. And as veterinary professionals, I, I really we need to embrace that. It's a win all the way around. First of all, practicing medicine in my bunny slippers sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, but listening to you talk about in your answer there, uh, it's such a reframe. Like, I really never thought about it from the standpoint of, okay, well, we have basically this one opportunity unless the pet gets sick other times throughout the year. So that makes a lot of sense of creating opportunities where we can just stay in touch and maintain that relationship. And it's not just this once a year, try to dump all the information on them in 15 minutes and then get them out the door. And like you said, they've, they've only absorbed a small percentage of it. So... And technology will only, is enabling us to do that today. We have it. It's it's integral in our life. We may as well use it, right? Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. One of the other things you mentioned that makes an impact on PetGen is giving back. 
So can you talk about some examples in your own clinic of how you've given back or done things to make an impact on the community? Yeah, I think this is so important. As a profession, we're, we are a caring profession. We do want to make a difference. But I think, again, PetGen is even more idealistic. They're, they're very purpose-driven. They want to contribute. In our Wellhaven Pet Health practice, we do a number of things. So we have about a dozen practices in Minneapolis and Denver and Seattle and Portland, Vancouver. We have a few up in Montana where we built communities, clusters of practices all working together within the community. And as we give back on a local event, uh, it's it, in, in our local communities, it's through local events. We work very closely with the shelters. Um, we're in our schools speaking and talking about career opportunities. Uh, we host students, high school students, veterinary nurse students, veterinary students. Uh, we work with a group called uh, Pet Peace of Mind, a group that keeps hospice patients together with their pets through end of life and then rehomes those pets. Um, and great timing, Cassie, for a, so those are all kind of local events where we're able to give back, make a difference, warm our hearts, remind us why we're here. Nationally, um, how can we give back to this profession that, that we're so passionate about? This week, where you and I are at VMX, we're rolling out uh, our national initiative called Lead Well with Women, a virtual platform, a community open to everyone, men, women, veterinarians, veterinary nurses, anybody in the animal health industry, where we want to have a 24-7 virtual membership, free membership for anyone, and bring all the tools to bear to help us be more successful. So we're somewhat organic and seeing where it grows, but we've surveyed um, several hundred folks to date to see what it is they'd like to see in this community. Number one, and this kind of surprised me that we're finding, is really looking for tools around leadership. How can I make myself a better leader? How can I grow in my practice, in my community, in my career? Number two is well-being, no big surprise. And number three is kind of a, a bigger bucket of professional and personal development tools. So we've built this free digital community made up of veterinary professionals from all walks of the, of the animal health area um, that promotes leadership, well-being, personal and professional development. So those that are at VMX um, will have a chance to, to see that in the exhibit hall. For those that aren't, there's, uh, they can find out more at uh, the website is leadwellwithwomen.community. So that's, that's our, our national initiative that's just going out the door. We're partnering with other um, similar groups. We're partnering with vendors. We're partnering with academia. We're partnering with other veterinary practices to, to build this online community. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm so happy that you've built that and that, you know, it's rolling out here at VMX and that, you know, hopefully people will hear about it on here and, and check it out a little bit further because it sounds like a really valuable tool we're to really, have in practice. Yes, we're really excited. Well, that's fantastic. Dr. Lester, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. I feel like you've delivered so much information just from a perspective that maybe we haven't looked at it from before, and it's been really valuable. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or make sure that gets included? Well, thank you as well, Cassie. This has been fun. Um, the last thing that I would leave is, is I believe, and optimism is a choice, and I am certainly an optimist. Our our profession has its its challenges, all of which I think are, we can overcome and we're working through cost of care, cost of education, well-being issues, but the tailwinds are so much stronger in our profession. So my parting thought would be, I believe this sincerely, there's never been a better time to be a veterinary professional. When you look at the, the landscape around us, pet numbers are up, the bond has never been stronger, pet spending is up, pet lifespans are up, euthanasias are down. Uh, this is a great time to be a veterinary professional. 
I heard you say that before we turned the microphone on. You said that you're an optimist by choice, and I just think that's such a great saying, and I may steal that if you're okay with it, (laughs) because it's so true. You hear so much negative out there in the world, but especially in our profession, and so like you said, to be an optimist by choice and look at it, look at all the positive that we have in our profession. And, and when you scale it out to look at it in the world, uh, again, further evidence of optimism. Pets are, are something in, in this red, blue, polarized, left-right world. Who, who brings us all together? Pets? It it's doesn't so true. matter which spectrum you're on, where your silo is. We all agree that pets are fabulous, they're good for us, and they bind us all. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They are kind of that glue that holds us all together when all the differences are there. That's, again, another reframe of that I hadn't thought of, but it makes so much sense. I'm so glad that I sat down and talked to you today. I feel like you gave me great perspective and great information, and it's just been a lot of fun. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Dr. Lester and that it got some wheels turning about addressing the needs of a changing population when it comes to pet ownership. If you'd like to find out more about this and other exciting podcasts, click on the Education tab on Vetfolio's portal. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.